Chapter Three of My Chinese Marriage by May Fran King. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. First Daughter in Law. I clasped my hands in the Chinese way, smiled and bowed. My Chinese mother rose at once and took a step toward me, balancing on her tiny feet with the aid of a thick gold-headed cane. I saw that she was unusually tall. Then, surprisingly, she extended her hand, American fashion, and I shook it, the eyes of each of us still searching the other's face. I saw in hers the look I needed for reassurance, the mingled kindness and apprehension, a trace of the anxiety that I am sure was the very counterpart of my own expression. I knew then that her heart was no more certain than mine was, and that this meeting was as important to her as it was to me. Ah Ching brought forward my chair, and we sat down together, smiling at each other, letting our gestures speak for us. Finally she stretched forth her right hand, palm down, measuring the height of a small child from the floor, inclining her head toward me, her eyebrows up in a question. I made a pillow of my two hands, laid my head upon it, eyes closed, and then pointed up. We were both delighted at this simple pantomime. The elderly man, her cousin, looked pleased in sympathy, and even the three solemn servants smiled a little. She asked me in gestures where my husband was. I waved widely and comprehensively toward the street, in the general direction of the city. She nodded, settling back a trifle, drawing a long breath. We had reached the end of our power to converse without the aid of an interpreter. When I heard Chang King's ring at the gate, I hurried out to meet him with the news. He was even more excited than I was, and hastened ahead of me to the house. I walked very slowly in order that they might have their first greeting undisturbed, and when I arrived they were beaming upon each other and talking the South Province dialect over a very sleepy and cherubic infant, whom Chan King, with paternal pride, had ordered down to greet his grandmother at once. The retinue settled, Chan King informed me that our mother would remain with us for six weeks. During this time I learned the art of pantomime beyond anything I had ever hoped for in one of my undemonstrative nature. My Chinese mother and I conversed with eyebrows, hands, smiles, noddings, and shakings of head, much turning of eyes. I had an instant affection and admiration for her, and she adopted toward me a gently confidential attitude that pleased me very much. She had brought presents for us in the Chinese way. For me, a delicately wrought chain of Chinese gold in a box of carved sandalwood. For Wilfred, a dozen suits of Chinese clothes in the bright patterns worn by children of the Orient, and so becoming to the proud wee man that arrayed in them he seemed already to be coming into his heritage. She also brought great hampers of fresh fruits, 
pomelos lychees and dragon's eyes and countless jars of preserved fish and meats and vegetables which had been chan king's favorites when he was a boy at home madame liang had the chinese woman's love for shopping accompanied by her cousin and the servants we went from silk merchant to porcelain dealer and from brass worker to rug weaver gathering treasures though she carried on most of her negotiations through her cousin she bargained with a firmness and a sense of values that i admired very much in the silk shops she bought marvellous braided satins and embroidered silks and she had me select the pattern i wanted for myself though she preserved most carefully the distinctive features of the dress of her own province she was much interested in shanghai styles and examined my wardrobe critically noting the short sleeves with tight-fitting undersleeves and the skirts with seven plates not five as in canton for example at each side notwithstanding the popular western fancy that fashions never change in china the chinese woman is painstakingly particular as to the exact length and fullness or scantiness of her coats skirts and trousers she is carefully precise about the width of bias bands or braid or lace that she uses for trimming the number and arrangement of fastenings the shape and height of her collar all of these details vary as tyrannically from season to season under shanghai guidance as certain style features do with us under the leadership of new york or paris moreover as against our four seasons the fashion devotee of china takes account of eight each with its appropriate style and weight of clothing at home mother sewed a great deal using her hands gracefully and very competently in spite of the long curved fingernails on her left hand my american sewing-machine fascinated her she had an excellent hand-powered machine at home chan king explained but mine worked with a treadle and she wished to try it i took the tiny brightly shod feet in my hands and set one forward and one backward on the iron trellis and she moved them very well alternately and ran several seams with energy chan king his mother and i went to chinese cafes together and madame liang was pleased and amused to see that i not only used chopsticks with ease but had a real taste for chinese food we used to treat ourselves to all sorts of epicurean dishes spiced chicken and duck shark's fins bird's nest soup with pigeon eggs my favorite delicacy seaweed and bamboo shoots candied persimmons lotus seeds and millet pudding with almond tea once in a roof garden cafe where i was wearing american clothes my use of chopsticks aroused considerable interest among neighboring groups of diners and stray comments reached us for the chinese are always pleased to see foreigners familiar with their customs no doubt she is a missionary lady a young woman remarked in my husband's native dialect hearing and understanding 
mother immediately said in clear gracious tones my son perhaps your wife would like to have some american food now chan king translated for me both comment and suggestion and i felt pleased to learn that at any rate my chinese mother was not ashamed in a public place to acknowledge her american daughter mother was fond of the drama and since shanghai had some excellent theatres we made up several parties during her stay the great semicircular stage on which the famous old historical play that we saw was acted was hung with gorgeous embroideries laid with a thick paking rug of immense size and brilliantly lighted by electricity as was the entire theatre the actors wore the magnificent official and military robes of an early dynasty as on the elizabethan stage women's parts were taken by men who achieved by cleverly constructed shoes the effect of bound feet i found the deafening drums and gongs a little trying at moments and the crude property makeshifts somewhat incongruous with the wonderfully elaborate hangings and costumes but being familiar with the story i understood the action and so evidently enjoyed it that mother was surprised anew as chan king afterward told me we sat in our balcony box above the vague tiers of lower seats packed with the restless audience of men women and many children in the arms of their amahs on the wide front rail of our box was the inevitable pot of tea with room also for such fruits sugar-cane melon seeds and meat and rice dishes as we wished to purchase from the endless variety offered by eager boys in round caps and blue cotton gowns now and then an attendant came with a huge tea-kettle to refill our teapot and once he offered us the usual steaming hot towels for sticky fingers chan king waved these away energetically awful custom he said to me unhygienic how can they do it and he added something of the kind to his mother in chinese she regarded him with comprehension a tiny gleam of superior wisdom in her eyes but she made no reply she had taken a fancy to wilfred who by this time had a fair vocabulary of chinese which he always used in talking to his amma he was a handsome child typically chinese very charming in his manner very fond of his amma and his indulgent grandmother madame liang would take his chin in her hands and steady his features intently nodding her head with approval then she would stroke his round black poll and give him melon seeds or almonds from her pocket wilfred used a weird mixture of dialects a confusion of mandarin and the shanghai vernacular with a dash of cantonese from his amma madame liang set out patiently to teach him her own dialect as well when her visit was ended our mother said to chan king this is a chinese house with a chinese wife in it everything is chinese i could never have believed it without seeing for i thought your wife was a western woman i am happy and she told him again that we must come and visit with her 
for she needed us chan king's father a member of an old established firm in the import and export trade in the philippines was away looking after his business or exchanging visits with friends of his own age and rank his homecomings were in the nature of a vacation the management of the household depended on madame liang as she talked i realized by her face by chan king's answers by all that i knew of chinese family life that we were a part of that clan and should be so always a hint of the solidarity i now feel with my husband's family came to me we were not separate from them nor should we be after our mother was gone chang king said something of this sort to me quoting what she had said about my not being western but i love you to be western in this sense he told me that you and i have companionship and freedom and equality in our love that is what makes me happiest before chan king and i closed the house in shanghai to depart for the southern hills our second son alfred was born an american woman asked me when he was about six weeks old if i did not feel a sense of alienation at the sight of the wee oriental face at my breast quite simply and truthfully i answered no my husband was not in any way alien to me how then could our child be so his coming provided me with a welcome excuse to remain at home quietly for a short while i now attempted to learn at the same time both mandarin and the dialect of chan king's province a method of study that hampered me constantly at first but my husband was an encouraging teacher and i began uncertainly to use my new knowledge trying it mostly on my young son wilfred who was the real linguist of the family he took my chinese very seriously i cannot say so much for chan king who was greatly amused at my inflection toward the close of the year i decided to take a place as teacher of english and history in a chinese girls high school chan king was surprised when i told him that i wished to teach but he offered no objection and watched with interest my progress through the year i loved my teaching still more i loved the girls in my classes collectively and individually i found them supremely worth while in spirit and mind i cannot say how lovely the young womanhood of china seemed to me i began to yearn for a daughter and when toward the close of the second term i found that i might perhaps have my heart's desire i realized that my husband shared it in the early fall our mother wrote and asked us to come south for the cold season she also expressed the hope that the coming grandchild might be born in her own province chan king had been encouragingly strong for over a year but he had always found the northern winters hard we decided that the time had come to fulfill our promise of visiting the ancestral home 
chan king secured six months leave of absence within ten days we had closed our affairs temporarily dismissed the servants with the exception of the ama and the faithful Ching, got our boxes together and bidden our friends farewell the leaves were falling on the avenue the plants were shrivelled at the edges on the sun porch the winds blew ominously shrill under the eaves chen king grew pale and began to cough again out of the teeth of the terrible shanghai winter we fled into the hospitable softness of the south by a large steamship we started out on what was ordinarily a brief journey but by those wartime schedules changes and delays were the invariable rule after three unforeseen changes and as many delays we reached a port just over the line in my husband's province there we stopped intending to go on three days later by the little battered tramp steamer that puffed noisily at the dock putting off dried fruits and dyes taking on rice and cloth and sandalwood but we did not go on as it happened instead a tiny smiling competent woman physician wearing the southern costume and possessed of a curious fund of practical wisdom in medical matters attended me in her native hospital at the birth of our daughter alicia on a vaguely grey gently stimulating winter morning ten days later our bouncing little ship for i had cajoled chan king into allowing me to travel stood to out from port and sampans came to meet us like giant fish bobbing and dipping and swaying upon the waves these sampans with their great eyes painted on each side of the prow and their curious upcurved sterns came toward us in a gala fleet rowed by lean over-muscled men in faded blue cotton garments i was very gay and much exhilarated by the soft sunshine that broke through the mist as i climbed down with chan king's help into one of these boats the harbour was busy with small craft flat-bottomed gigs or baggage boats besides the junks whose square brown sails swung creaking in the wind two chinese men-of-war rose over us their vast bulky sides painted battleship grey out and beyond an island not more than a mile long turned its irregular profile towards us a long mass of huge grey boulders jutting abruptly from a sparkling sea as we were being rowed into the mainland we were near enough to the island to see quite plainly the tile-roofed houses surrounded by arched verandas repeated again and again in long undulating lines that gave a pleasantly lacy effect the island was shaded with trees and winter foliage not the brilliant green of summer but the sage green and pale tan of november through this intermittent curtain the walls of the houses shone in dull blue and coral pink and clear grey jagged cacti shot up among the bulbous rocks and everywhere the scarlet poinsettia set the hills aglow with patches of brilliant colour i loved this island instantly i said to chang king 
this is our island of the blessed where we shall live when we are old at the jetty ah-ching went up to hail sedan chair bearers and soon i was borne rapidly along a few yards ahead of my husband's chair i was filled with a delicious elation at being in chanking's province so near to the very village that he knew as a little boy with enormous curiosity i peeped through the curtain flaps which were transparent from within we were passing through the town that lay along the water's edge a bright open little place where the small houses with curved tiled roofs hugged the ground we went through the crooked streets which were really nothing more than broad paths at a steady pace we left the ragged edges of the town and began to ascend the hills i raised my curtains a trifle and ventured to look out freely emotion surged up in me i wished to cry for joy in this homecoming for it was our real homecoming together and i felt a secret share in all the life my husband had known here up in the narrow twisting path we wound toward the hills which were covered with a smoky amber mist scattered closely along the upward road apart from the dwellings were small terraces enclosing plots of cultivated ground filled with growing things wherever the folk could find a lush flat place on the stony hills robbed by deforestation of all but grass they had planted their vegetables these little patches of color coaxed by thrifty gardeners out of the soil washed into the hill pockets added a festive humorous note to the winter landscape otherwise so brown and sear i thought frivolously of a solemn giant wearing his party nosegays the hills billowed away immensely until they were silhouettes against the dull orange and ashy purple of the morning sun struggling through the clouds solid steeply curved narrow bridges of stone made us a path over the frequent streams that rushed toward the valley here we came full upon the ancestral village of my husband's family it lay compact and many-roofed upon the side of a hill as intricately woven and inevitably looking as a colony of birds nests as naturally a part of the earth as though it had sprung from planted seeds rows of walls ran along the main thoroughfare there were a few people astir yet and the doors were closed in all the low-eaved plaster and stone houses our chairs were set down before a tall hooded gate in a wall of stone grey aching knocked the gates were opened and the servants came hurrying out accompanied by three leaping black chow-dogs which barked in frantic challenge till chang king spoke to them and changed their menace into joyous welcome we entered a spacious courtyard and crossed an exquisite garden one of the most beautiful i saw in china an artificial lake rippled placidly disturbed only by the darting goldfish laurel and magnolia trees darkened the paths a thicket of bamboo wavered and cast its reflection in the water at the edge of the lake 
chan king helped me from the chair and together we passed into the main hall through the wide-flung doors madame liang early apprised of our arrival was standing there and my first sight of her gave me a renewed sense of homecoming i was dimly aware of a large hall at the back of which stood a high altar with wreaths of sweet-smelling smoke rising in straight columns before lettered tablets and brilliant images under glass cases the glitter of golden and scarlet embroideries against the wall splintered the dimness with rays of light like sunshine through a prism heavily carved black wood chairs with tea-tables and also marble-topped stools with gay brocaded cushions were ranged about the room we passed through this main hall into the apartment of madame liang where i was given a chair and i sat suddenly remembering that i was very tired other members of the family distant relatives and first cousins and guests all women came in and i was presented to them madame springtime wife of the second son did first honours for the family she was so very youthful only seventeen and so wistfully otherworldly that among those mature housewives clever and practical managers of their households and husbands estates she seemed like a branch of peach-bloom in festal garb of jade green and lavender embroidered shoes on her tiny feet and an embroidered head-dress crowning her shining black hair and framing the oval of her shy smiling face with its slow black eyes she came bearing a lacquered tray and presenting to each of us sweet tea in cups of finest porcelain with standards and covers of silver and with tiny silver spoons having flower-shaped bowls the pretty little tea ceremony was then repeated by various members of the family while the small sons were given hot milk and cakes an eager group gathered about the tiny new daughter still sleeping peacefully a bubbling busy little lady about the age of madame liang leaned over me with a quizzical smile and bobbed her gay pretty head emphatically at me when my mother introduced her as madame chow elaborately dressed in rich colors in direct contrast to my soberly garbed mother she was as merry as madame liang was grave and she tripped about on her almost invisible golden lily feet with an energy that did not destroy the grace of her willow walk but the many-colored costumes the great curtained bed on one side the voices all suddenly seemed far away and as i wavered smiling determinedly i heard my husband's voice mother thinks you are tired so this woman will show you our room where you must lie down and rest some time later as i lay resting with alicia sleeping on my arm on the bed which had purple curtains and soft white blankets chan king stepped quietly into the room feel as comfortable as you look he asked and when i nodded drowsily he touched a box of cakes 
these were brought to you by madame chow the busy little lady out there you know he hesitated a moment she would have been my mother-in-law if i hadn't insisted on your mother instead and he gave my cheek a gentle pinch i was now wide awake the little bird lady out there mother of li ying i asked where is li ying then they didn't tell me anything directly chan king answered but i gather from several pointed conversations carried on in my hearing that madame chow has just returned from her daughter's house in singapore just imagine little li ying is married too and also has three children two girls and a boy i think said my chinese husband with a charming complacence putting a hand over mine and stooping to kiss alicia's pink sleeping face i think our arrangement is much better sons should be older then daughters are properly appreciated at noon after an hour's quiet sleep i was again aroused by chang king who stood beside a maid-servant with a tray i sat up i expected to be out for luncheon i said preparing to rise chan king looked perturbed stay where you are he warned my mother has just been scolding me for allowing you to travel with a ten days old baby as if i could do anything about it i told her blaming it all on eve in the most approved christian fashion she admires your spirit but thinks that for your health's sake you should rest two weeks longer at least i lay down meekly very well i said obedience is my watchword and for the prescribed time i lay in my pretty room all my senses deeply responsive to the life going on in a chinese household the clang of small gongs that summoned the servants much laughter coming in faintly or clearly as my doors were opened or shut the tap of lily feet along the passageway the glimmer of madame springtime's radiant pink or blue robes as she entered to inquire after my welfare or bring some new delicacy that had been procured for me the smoke of incense from the altar floating into the room at intervals with a pungent sweetness that roused vague memories and emotions everything in the house hangings clothes furnishings was saturated with this aroma mingled with a bitter smell which is distilled by immense age and touched with the irritative quality of dust this odor now means china to me and it is more precious than all other perfumes in the world but chan king life is nothing but food i protested about the third day when my fourth meal had been served to me early in the afternoon but the quantities are small he answered much better way don't you think than taking great meals many hours apart early in the morning the young maid assigned to me would bring in a bowl of hot milk and biscuit in our apartment at half-past eight she would serve breakfast consisting of soft boiled rice congee with various kinds of salty sweet and sour preparations 
at eleven o'clock there was turtle soup or chicken broth at noon came tiffin which consisted of substantial meat and vegetable dishes fish and soup and dry boiled rice our mid-afternoon refreshment was noodles of wheat or bean flour or perhaps a variety of fancy cakes tea kept hot by a basket cosy was always on hand in every room at seven the family dined and after the two weeks were up i joined them sitting at the first table with mother and my husband dinner was an elaborate meal in courses with rice at the close at bedtime came hot milk again or sweet congee or perhaps tea brewed from lotus seed or almonds i was continually nibbling i thought chinese food delicious particularly in my husband's province noted for its delicious crunchy fried things but chan king had yearnings for american dishes i gave the head cook minute instructions for preparing fricasseed chicken fresh salads beefsteak with spanish sauce even american hot cakes and he enjoyed the american canned goods with butter cheese jams and bread which were brought in frequently from the port an episode that caused much merriment was chan king's initiation of his family into the mystery and history of chop suey the rich joke of that made in america chinese dish is penetrating to every household where the returned student is found in shanghai we had heard with amusement how the bewildered chef of the y m c a cafe had gone down to one of the great trans-pacific liners lying in port to learn from the head cook on board just what this chapsui which all his returned student patrons were demanding might be now with memories of old college club activities prompting us and with a skilful cook to carry out our directions chan king and i introduced into the ancestral home that most misunderstood dish in all the world the family agreed that though vaguely familiar it was unlike anything they had ever tried before and they decided without dissenting vote that it was superior to fricasseed chicken spanish steak or hot cakes at this time my husband's brother lin king came home for a brief stay i decided from photographs that he resembled his father who was still away lin king and madame springtime seemed well suited to each other and happy although the marriage had been arranged by their families and they had never seen each other before the ceremony i decided that the old custom had much merit after all for other people and said so to my husband adding when our children are grown we must have them all marry chinese chan king looked at me long in silence and then sighing humorously he asked what of their father's example my dear since my chinese was still bookish and unpractised in the all-important matters of tone and local idiom i could not converse with the family 
and at the dinner-table and in my mother's apartment i was as silent and meek and pleasant of manner as madame springtime herself madame springtime served formal tea to our many guests in absolute silence with a sweet fixed smile in the corners of her red mouth i watched her with consuming interest for she was acting as first daughter-in-law in my stead the machinery of life ran with smoothness of long habit and complete discipline the meals were served the apartments kept in exquisite order and the children cared for by a corps of servants trained in minutiae by an exacting mistress who knew precisely what she wanted our days were left free for the practice of small courtesies the exchange of pretty attentions and the care of the ancestral altar from the ceremonies that took place before this altar at various times my husband kept himself his wife and children sedulously aloof it was neither asked nor expected that he would do otherwise just as our attendance at the little mission church was accepted without question at other times however i had ample opportunity to study the altar and enjoy the beauty of its massive carvings its elaborate incense burners and candlesticks its exquisitely wrought embroideries a porcelain image of the buddhistic goddess of mercy in her character of sun-giver set within a large glass case fascinated me by its remarkable resemblance to certain catholic images but the ancestral tablets interested me more and the respect that i have always accorded objects sacred to others was in this instance mingled with profoundly personal feelings the interblended characteristics of those men and women so many years dead and gone lived on in the man who was my husband their life currents pulsed warmly in the veins of my children perhaps some deep insight gained beyond the grave enabled them to know how truly i acknowledged my debt to them how earnestly i hoped those children might not prove unworthy of their heritage with the help of chan king's coaching and my personal observations i soon learned the gracious routine of the house at ten o'clock every morning i presented myself at the door of madame liang's apartment and sat with her for several hours often over tiffin even till tea-time if she signified a desire for my company if the weather was fair we would walk in the garden she leaning lightly on my arm her cane tapping on the flagstones at times also tea was served here with the small children joining us for hot milk and sweet cakes i was several days in getting the members of the household identified in their proper relations for there were thirty persons gathered in that big low-roofed rambling compound behind the high enveloping wall they were nearly all women and two-thirds of them were servants the quiet soft-mannered woman relatives spent nearly all of their time in their own apartments madame liang's powerful personality silent and compelling 
paled the colours of nearly all the temperaments around her her friend madame chow was immensely comforting to her for she could not be persuaded to take anything very seriously madame liang laughed with her more than with any one else while they busily embroidered they gossiped and i listened to their musical speech with its soft southern accents and chiming many-toned cadences i used to think as i sat in a deep cushioned chair nursing the small alicia with a pot of tea at my elbow that madame liang in her gorgeous heavily carved black and orange bed enclosed on three sides by panels of painted silk and draped over the front with silk curtains held back by tasselled brocaded bands was a link in the chain of everlasting things she had come into the house exactly as new women had done century after century and she had lived out her life unquestioningly according to their precepts and example there was a monumental timeless dignity about her as she sewed and talked of simple matters in her presence i felt young and facile and terribly unanchored i talked these things over with chang king in the dark of the night when all the household was silent he was interested in my reactions knowing that they were the outcome of a profound personal love for his family and sympathy with everybody in it spiritually chan king also was in sympathy with his family practically well as i have said there were moments when he longed for american food and his first deed in the house was to order the bed curtains removed from our apartments they were removed and nothing was said a wonderful spirit of courtesy and toleration prevailed in the family life with a complete absence of that criss-cross of personal criticism that our western freedom of speech permits not that there were not undercurrents intimate antagonisms here and there personal sacrifices and sorrows but they were not recognized for in Chinese life individual claims are eternally relinquished in the interest of clan peace and well-being. There was one authority, and it was vested in Madame Liang. Such a system makes for harmony and preserves the institution of the family on which all China is founded. Making no conscious effort, I myself yet became so imbued with this spirit that, when the government summons came for Chan King to report in Peking early in the new year, I choked down my anguish and said, How splendid for us all, Chan King! When are you going? We were in the last week of the old year, and at Madame Liang's earnest entreaty, my husband delayed his departure, as the summons permitted that in the midst of his family he might celebrate the most delightful of all holidays delicious cooking odors now drifted about everywhere new clothes for everyone were made ready and faces took on a shining happiness 
one evening after a visit with his mother chan king came to me laughing heartily mother reminds me he said that for three days it is customary for the maids when sweeping the floor to pile the dust carefully in the corner instead of throwing it out lest the family good fortune should be thrown out with it but she says of course it is only an old superstition and if you like you may tell the maid to remove the sweepings as usual i laughed too then i said tell mother we shall do our part toward keeping good fortune in the family for three days also continued chang king no harsh or scolding word is to be spoken by any one and therefore he went on sonorously your tyrannical chinese husband will cease to lecture his american wife who is certain to need it though i looked into his eyes bright with irrepressible gaiety and suddenly i kissed them shut my own eyes misty oh my dearest i whispered you are just a little boy at home again in spite of the silver threads and i smoothed the black locks already sprinkled with grey chan i love the chinese new year i said even now i see it all again my husband was wearing a long dignified gown of dark green satin unfigured as is customary for officials dark green trousers short brown jacket lined with soft fur black satin cap and black boots wilfred was quite a young gentleman in long gown of blue-green silk braid-trimmed jacket of dark green blue trousers and red tufted cap chubby alfred was dressed in lavender jacket scarlet trousers a tiger-face apron of red white and black embroidered slippers and a gay little knitted cap alicia whom the whole family loved best in her frilled white american dresses added now a pink silk jacket and an adorable little pink and black cap which gave an oriental grace to her features i wore my latest shanghai creation in pale lilac and black figured satin guests came and went incessantly and we made our calls in the village the air was filled with odors of spice molasses roasted meats seed cakes and millet candy and with sounds of firecrackers gongs and happy voices but it was over at last the time for my husband's departure had come with silent expertness ah ching set about packing in three days chan king was ready to go he was coaching me in the household phrases i should need most in making myself understood without his help madame liang decided that during my husband's absence i should assume my position as first daughter-in-law i had no apprehension in regard to the minute exacting duties that would devolve upon me as a right-hand companion to my husband's mother for i loved her but i was not sure of my tact or my deftness and i felt strung up painfully at the thought of my immediate future after the hourly companionship of months 
parting from chen king was very terrible indeed he was in and out of our apartment moving about the house with restless energy arranging final details at last he came and stood beside me tell me good-bye now dearest he whispered afterward out there we shall have no opportunity he drew me close and we kissed with deep feeling the tears in my eyes refusing to be suppressed any longer don't cry he begged with unaccustomed emotion don't cry or i can't leave you then he held my face up and dried my tears with his handkerchief and said solemnly smile at me and i smiled we went across to his mother's apartment and she came out the tears on her cheeks not stanched joined by the rest of the family we accompanied him to the entrance and then to the gate which stood open almost blocked by the waiting sedan chair chan king was in chinese dress and as he stood there profiled toward me among the group of servants giving his final directions he seemed more oriental more absorbed into his country than i remembered ever to have seen him he made a profound bow to his mother with formal words of leave-taking and gave me a grave little nod then without looking back he stepped into the chair the curtains were drawn and the coolies trotted off down the steep path followed a little way by the bounding black dogs mother and i stood together after the others had gone and watched his chair jostling down the narrow paved way then we turned and looked at each other rueful smiles on our mouths tears in our eyes we shook our heads at each other i half raised a hand to my heart and then let it fall i think both of us found our lack of mutual language a welcome excuse for silence madame liang turned toward the house the gates closed behind us i gave her my arm in support until we reached the doorway then i stepped a pace behind her as she entered without speaking i waited until she had knelt at the altar and the incense was rising in clouds before the imperturbable images under their glass cases then i attended her to her own apartment my life as a real Chinese daughter-in-law had begun. End of chapter 3